With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dwight Yoakam and uh, Buck Owens with the streets of Bakerfield. Bakersfield. Uh, Buck Owens is today's musical guest. Are, am I winning you over with this uh, form of music we've been I'm, playing? I'm warming here, up to it. Okay, I'm warming up to good. it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. We get a little twang. It's pretty good. In, get a little twang in your life, man. Yeah, that's pretty good. Twang in my. We got tweaking with the wild and twanging with you, man. <laughs> it's fantastic. All right, uh, minor league baseball issued an extra innings report through games of July 1, 2008. This is based on putting a runner at second base starting with the 10th inning. Okay. And uh, it seems like an experience, an experiment that is unlikely to reach Major League Baseball in the 10th inning. I am betting that in several within a few years it'll be like the 12th inning and they'll put a guy in second because we are heading for dramatic changes here ladies and gentlemen in baseball uh the 22nd clock will be in next year if that works and improves the pace of play and gets the ball in play more often then there won't be a lot more changes but if that doesn't work who knows where we're headed but they're not they're going to try to prevent the five-and-a-half, six-hour games that uh, have this year. Earlier this year, remember the Cubs and the Marlins played uh, 17 innings, 2-1, to one, and the game took five hours and 18 minutes. And uh, the, the, the AAA, now I talked to Josh Wetzel early, uh, the voice of the Rochester Red Wings. Mm-hmm. He'd seen it early, didn't like it, but uh, I, I don't know how he's feeling about it now. He, he thought it was uh, preposterous. In 2018, this is through July 1st, only eight games have gone more than three extra innings, more than 12 innings in a game scheduled for nine innings, and more than 10 innings in a game scheduled for seven innings. So they're doing this in the eighth inning, too, putting a runner on second if it's a doubleheader. Really, with, in the eighth If inning. it's a doubleheader with two seven-inning games like uh, they have okay. in the minor okay, leagues. Okay, gotcha, okay. In 2017, 162 games in minor league baseball that is affected by this went longer than three extra innings. So, basically, they're on a pace for 16 games, one-tenth as many games to go past 12 innings as went in the minor leagues last year. Mm. So, it's obviously working. In 2016, 183 games went longer than three extra innings. Let me start this again. They're putting a runner on second base in the 10th inning in the minor leagues, except, uh, I, I guess, at all levels. And this is to break ties. They they did this in the World Baseball Classic. 
as as if you if you watched any of that. And last year, uh, the there were 162 games that went longer than three extra innings. This year, there's only been eight because of those runners being put on second base. So if you go from the tenth, if let's say each team scores in the tenth, you go to the eleventh, they put a runner at second again, and and then you get to put a runner at second. And so they just keep going. going with it, okay? But only eight of those have gone more than twelve innings or more than three extra innings. Last year, 162 games went longer than three extra innings. Two wow. years ago, 183. In 2018, of the 475 extra inning games through July 1st of this year, 239 of those games, 71%, ended, ended after one inning of extra inning play. And mm. ended in the 10th or the 8th. Okay. In 2017, out of 1,192 extra innings, 49%, 588 games ended after one inning of extra play and after the 10th inning or the 8th inning. In 2016, uh, 46% ended after one inning. So you've gained 25% completion by putting the guy at second. Uh, so it's uh, in 2018, the longest game of the year went six has gone six extra innings, the longest game in all of minor league baseball. In 2017, the longest game of the year was 12 extra innings. Was so 21 or 19, I don't know which. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2016, the longest game of the year went 14 extra innings. Ooh. So, I mean, I don't think it's a big surprise that it's working. Mm-hmm. You put a guy at second base, I would imagine in two, uh, somebody would have to give me the stats, but. Man on second, nobody out. has got to score even Major League Baseball sixty percent of the time, right? That sounds Lead about right. Lead off double, yeah. you got to you got to score sixty percent of the time. I would guess. Uh, wonder so, hope. <laughs> so, of course, what you wonder is: here's the other thing: when you're pitching away, when you're in that, I think it really increases the advantage of the home team, don't you? Of the home you team, you put yeah. First, it's like it's like overtime in college football. When you put the ball, you know, oh, you know what you have to line. do. Yeah. Well, if they put the guy at second and don't score, you're going to bunt the, you're going to start the 10th oh, and the you're going to bunt him to third. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But if he scores, you might play for two runs. I, I don't know. But I wonder how often, like in the top of the 10th, they get, they end up scoring three runs as people are pitching away from, trying to let that guy from second score you know okay mm-hmm. okay he gets bunted to third and you got somebody up you don't like so you walk him and then you pitch around another guy and all of a sudden you got the bases loaded with one out which you wouldn't have and then somebody hits a double and you score right. three runs you know, i wonder how often that they're producing extra runs just trying, because like, of what the initial trying, trying to stay away from letting that guy right. you know trying to just because know, of like what you, the initial like setup is like you do in major league baseball if the other team if the game's tied and the other team leads off the top of the ninth with a double you walk somebody and you do this and you bring the infield in and you do the whole thing so it's uh listen the grand old game i've uh I'm I'm gonna have much trouble with it at any, but we're gonna have, we're gonna see the guy at second in extra innings uh, within five years at least. I don't think it'll be the tenth, but it'll be the eleventh or twelfth because they're gonna they don't want the seventeen inning games anymore. 
All right, we uh, shall return. We are going to talk to Brian Munns, uh, media guy from uh, Winnipeg, and get an update on the hottest thing in the Canadian Football League, throwing quarterback, slinging Chris Streveler. He's on fire. Yes. Second time in the red zone for the Bombers. Streveler, look out, touchdown. His old buddy, Wally. Drew Wallatarski has the touchdown. These two guys played together in Minnesota. Where Streveler started as a quarterback. Brian Mons is with us. Uh, he's a uh, Winnipeg's Jets broadcaster and uh, for TSN and also a TSN twelve ninety. But you are monitoring the phenomenon of Chris Streveler as a quarterback for the Blue Bombers. <laughs> yeah, he's had uh, an intriguing start to his uh, pro career north of the border. Here, there's no question about it. Uh, you know, I didn't think or, or nobody really thought that he would get as much playing time as he did, but. As we all know in pro sports, when uh, somebody gets hurt, the door opens for someone else. And, uh, you know, it was unfortunate for the organization that Matt Nichols went down so early in the CFL season. But Chris came in and did uh, a really good job. And as we saw in the last couple of weeks here that, uh, that Matt Nichols has been back, that they haven't been afraid to, to use Chris again in some situations. So uh, their offensive coordinator, Paul Apolise, has done a really good job with the youngster for sure. Hey, uh, Matt Nichols, is he like an old hand up there who's got a pretty good reputation? Yeah, there's no question. Mm -hmm. He's a guy that uh, is considered an elite quarterback in the Canadian Football League, and and a lot of what everybody believes is going to be a really good opportunity for this Winnipeg Football Club to Mm -hmm. take a chance at the Grey Cup this year revolves at at center in the quarterback position, much like uh, you know the other eight teams in the league. So, yeah, I think when you... When you take a look at uh, what Matt's done is over his career, whether it was before Winnipeg or, or since he's been a Blue Bomber now, that uh, he's got the experience. And that's the biggest thing when you look at any any professional sport and any athlete. Uh, the more confidence and the more you're able to grow your game and, and get some years under your belt, you're going to be a better athlete for it. And uh, and that's what uh, the city is seeing of Matt Nichols for sure right now. Well, Streveler had to leave Minnesota to get a chance to play quarterback. He went down to South Dakota, and, went, and down here he could play immediately because he was going down a level and lit it up throwing the ball. The knock on him here, he wasn't. He could not throw the ball. There's no doubt he has the legs to play quarterback. Has he demonstrated those? Yeah, he has, and that's you know that's obviously one of uh, one of his greatest assets. Obviously, he has a great mind for the game, and he can read it. But uh, as we all know, it's a different game up here north of the border. The field's a lot wider, and the ball's bigger, and you got to make those adjustments to get into the Canadian game. But uh, I know, in talking to a lot of his teammates here over the last few weeks uh, since he got in and had an opportunity to show what he could do. They've been impressed, but again, the big thing when you look at uh, at guys and, and the experience and the success they have is how many games and how many reps they're able to get under their belts. So it's a process for Chris Trevler, but uh, you know the early indications are right now that not only here in Winnipeg but uh, across the CFL, a lot of people took notice at what he's been able to do so far. And and yeah, he is a very mobile quarterback, and and that's a big. You know, that's a big bonus for Winnipeg when you look at it because they can draw up some different plays. Uh, they can use him, you know, in some different scenarios here where maybe an offensive coordinator wouldn't look at with 
somebody that may stand in the pocket and not have the mobility that he does. But, uh, you know, he gives them uh, another pretty good weapon there that if there isn't a throw that he sees, he can tuck the ball down and, and get some valuable yards. Did they? And he threw it pretty well, too, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that that's all about kind of learning the game and, and reading and reacting. And, you know, he's getting used to his own teammates here now that they're into, uh, I guess it's week five in the CFL season now with uh, their game coming up in Vancouver this weekend. And so when you break it down, they're pretty much a quarter of the way through their calendar here already. And, you know, now you, you start to see where guys feel a little bit more comfortable with the playbook and know where everybody's supposed to be on the field. So I think so far, so good for Chris. And, you know, so far, pretty good for this Winnipeg team, too, after the lopsided win they had last weekend here at home against the Lions in the first half of their doubleheader. Hey, uh, Brian, uh, when, when you get the U.S. quarterback up there, uh, a kid with uh, Strebler's background, the, the, the change in the game, do they have trouble figuring out uh, these guys in motion and all that stuff? Is it, is it more? I suppose the defensive backs have the hardest time, but maybe the quarterbacks, too, knowing what the hell's going on. Well, there's a lot of moving parts. There's, uh, there's no question about it. But I, I think the positive, if if you're just keeping it on Chris here right now, and that's kind of the topic of conversation at the yep. moment, is he has a lot of experience around him. So, you know, from the O-line to Andrew Harris right behind him, he's got a, a very veteran receiving core as well. But, you know, if they see he's in trouble, you can kind of improvise on some different plays and, and try and help him out. But uh, you know what? They're early in the year. They've had a good start to the season. But, but I agree with you. Uh, you know, the first, especially half of the year for, for players coming up and just learning the CFL game and the different looks that you have and, and how many men are on the field and where some guys are and, and the room again that you have outside the hash mark. That's yeah. probably the biggest difference that, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of wide open prairie out there that, uh, the guys can either find a spot or can get lost in here too. So I think, uh, overall, I think as an organization is, as a city right now, people are pretty excited with what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are doing for sure. Hey, you got a uh, you got another gopher up there. Drew Alatarski's caught a few passes. We just played a highlight of uh, Streveler throwing a pass to him. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a great possession type receiver. Yeah, and you know what? It's great for him too because, as I mentioned in the last statement, there they've got a lot of veterans. But as we all know, it's it's a cyclical game, and when you can get some younger players ingrained into the organization and and once they get their chance and they're able to make good on it then they feel good about the hard work that they're putting in at practice and and uh you know in the gym on off days and that type of stuff and and then it rewards the coaching staff as well that you know in this case here michael shea will look at it and say okay you know what he's done a job we're not afraid to put him onto the football field when when they need something to happen for them offensively right now so good for him and uh you know you obviously hope that continues here as the season continues for sure hey uh brian Mons is with us brian is uh, cfl sort of a nice distraction before hockey season starts up there <laughs> i don't know in canada and i don't know well even even for you uh around minnesota that uh, that hockey ever goes away but uh it is nice there's no question about it it's uh it's been a really beautiful summer up here just like you guys really? had down the highway and uh yeah you know what it, it's nice to be able to to watch a game and and not to think uh, a lot about pucks and sticks and contract negotiations and everything that's going on but uh yeah you know what uh with the season the jets had and, and going as deep as they did in the stanley cup playoffs and and the start the blue bombers have had right now here sports fans are pretty happy for sure 
Hey, Brian, uh, you, the price of poker for winning, the uh, goalie got himself a nice contract. Yeah, and much deserved for Connor Hellebuck. Uh, you look at just the short career that he's had in the National Hockey League so far, and to be nominated for the Vesna Trophy as one of the top goaltenders uh, amongst his peers and, and throughout the league is, is a really nice credit for him. And, you know, that it couldn't have come at a better time for him personally because he had the opportunity to cash in uh, when he comes to free agency here this week, and, and he was able to get himself a brand-new six-year, $37 million contract. So it, uh, it worked out extremely well for him. I think it's good numbers. It's good term for the organization as well because they have a number of players that uh, are restricted free agents and then unrestricted coming up over the next few years here that uh, needs to keep this core intact here and hopefully make a run for the next consecutive years like they were able to do this year. Hey, Brian, I was going to ask you, what uh, what kind of cap uh, situation are they in? Um, you know what? I don't want to say they're in a, in a good situation. I don't really want to say they're in a bad situation. I think everybody right now, when... When you look at the numbers you have to deal with, you've got your your general manager here, Kevin Shevelday-Off, and you've got his assistant, Larry Simmons, who's just a whiz with all the numbers and contracts. That uh, you know They've got a really good read on where they sit right now, and you get the Hellebuck deal done. Uh, Jacob Truba comes up to restricted free agency and arbitration here. Uh, you know, I think it's next week, and that's kind of when all the, uh, the arbitration hearings start to go. So... I think for the most part, teams have a good idea as to what they're dealing with, not only this year, but kind of what the window should look like in years to come. And and obviously the number changes uh, a little bit here and there. But for the most part, I think everybody that's inside those offices knows exactly where they need to be. And, you know, the Jets are in a pretty good scenario here right now that, uh, you know, they're fortunate they've done such a terrific job in drafting and developing here that the players they had hoped would become superstars really have. And, uh, you know, they've lifted Winnipeg here into an elite-level team right now that uh, they do have some decisions to make on for sure down the road. Hey, uh, uh, a wonderful run like that, uh, and when it comes to an end, it hurts. Uh, How long did the disappointment last up there in Winnipeg, or did they start celebrating a great season rather quickly? Well, I think it's twofold. I think for everybody around the organization that that travels with the team and, uh, and is actually there, on a daily basis, there's no doubt that uh, it stung for a while because you look at how good they were throughout the postseason, uh, you know, eliminating Minnesota, going to seven against Nashville, being able to win against the President Trophy winners there. inside their own building. Yeah, and, and then, you know, they played pretty well against the Golden Knights, too. They just couldn't score on Marc-Andre Fleury, and then you watch the next round, and that was kind of their deal against Brayton Holpe and the Washington Capitals. So I think... Uh, you know, I think when you look at it now here in July and into August, that uh, you know they should be proud of, of what they were able to do. But I think it also made sure that uh, the players understand what it takes to go this deep now. And I think that's the most important thing for me here is you realize, and that group goes through it for the first time, that there's a lot of heavy lifting and the playoffs are a long way oh, to yeah. go. And if you're going to get all the way to mid-June, you know, it's really a two-month marathon that uh, you've got to do a good job managing yourself both on and off the ice. So it was a good learning lesson for the team, but there's no question that uh, you know those guys wanted to win a Stanley Cup. They thought they were good enough to win a Stanley Cup, and I think that's what excites everybody about coming into training camp here in September is 
they've got about 98% of that roster back that uh, that should give them a good opportunity again to come out of the West. Any new uh, blood, any new faces coming in that uh, might have an impact? Do they got a hot shot uh, minor league prospect or anything? Um, you know, there's going to be competition for a few spots. You know, Mason Appleton comes up from the American Hockey League and the Manitoba Moose into training camp. Uh, you know, he could have an opportunity. We saw Jack Roslovic a little bit during the regular season up from the Moose as well that uh, was brilliant for them. I think he's going to get uh, a really good shot to try and fill the void that Paul Stasny played in between Nikolai Ehlers and Patrick Laine on that second line going into camp. Ryan Little's a veteran there that, that Paul Maurice can kind of work in and out of the lineup as the, as the number two centerman. So I would say for the most part that those are probably the two names that uh, – you know, NHL fans may see earlier than, than others. Other than that, you know, they've they've got a deep team. They've got their goalie that they just signed. Uh, Laurent Brassois comes over from the Edmonton Oilers as the number two that Steve Mason left in the Montreal deal. Um, you know, overall, I think, you know, the blue line is pretty much what it was a year ago. And, you know, they've got to get Morrissey and Truba signed up here. They're both restricted free agents here over the summertime. But uh, I think for the most part, uh the Winnipeg Jets kind of are who we thought they were last year, and uh, thankfully it will continue to be this year, too. Uh, you you, uh, you, folks in Canada follow hockey closer than anybody. Has the Stanley Cup made <laughs> it back from uh, Russia, or is Ovi keeping it over there, do we know? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he's what ever going to let What a celebration. That was the damnedest celebration I've ever seen, wasn't it? It was, uh, it was something. <laughs> <laughs> There is no question about that, but uh, you know, you know what? I, I think everybody across the league, uh, maybe except for the Vegas Golden Knight players themselves, were uh, were happy to see that uh, you know the career that Ovechkin has had, the success that he's had, and he's finally able to kind of turn away the naysayers there that always questioned him, saying, "Well, he was a a regular season sensation, but he he couldn't do anything in the playoffs." Well, he's uh, he's shown everybody he can win, and he can continue to have fun with it after. Uh, a long grind through the Stanley Cup playoffs. So last I saw, the Cup was still over there. I think he gave it to Michael Kempney. And uh, I would imagine it's coming back here to North America sometime soon because there's a lot of people on this side of the pond that uh, want to have a little fun with it, too. All right. Hey, Brian, uh, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you this fall, sir. Anytime. Take care. Have a great summer. All right. Uh, Brian uh, Munns. Streveler completed 11 passes for the Gophers? No, he threw 11 passes, completed four. Four out of 11. And we decided he he couldn't play quarterback. They made him a tight end, right? They tried to make him a tight end or something. Yeah. Remember when he first came here from Illinois and, boy, Sid was all in a lather telling us every day in a... In a column, uh, you know, that, oh, they love this kid, this Streveler from Illinois. Why didn't they keep around? I, you know? I never, I, I'll be I never honest with you. I never got a chance to see if he'd throw or not. I, yeah, well, that's what the I was going to say. I, I, <laughs> I looked up the numbers, and in 2014, he threw 11 passes. He went 4 yeah. for 11. I don't, Pat, I don't remember ever seeing him throw a pass. With no. the Gophers, ever? No, well, I must have missed. I must have missed Mitch. those eleven they throws. Were, they were tied into Mitch, but uh, you know his numbers at South Dakota was were unbelievable. He was throwing up Mike Leach type numbers, like he was playing in Mike Leach's offense, just mm-hmm. throwing it all over the place. Yeah, the only thing I don't like about him going off and becoming a very good quarterback is I can't blame it. I got to blame it on the previous administration. <laughs> can't take any can't cheap blame shots it on at PJ, this guy. Huh? Uh, nothing on Phil. I can't if blame it. Oh, you must fail. Uh, yes, that's right. Well, we don't even know if he failed. He never got a shot. <laughs> right. We'll be back.
Johnny Hype? Yes. First time Ray Charles heard that song, he said, I can <laughs> sing that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> yeah. uh, Buck wrote that one? Was that uh, the, I don't know, to tell you the truth. Really, but he was, that was his, it, it was, was his hit. Yes, right? he, he had the first hit with it. It was that, his uh, hit. When Ray did the... Uh, the country and western album, which wasn't really country and western, mm-hmm. but country and western songs done very soulfully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the uh, big hit on it. Uh, Nobody could sing sing them like Ray. Oh, no kidding. Yep. All righty. Uh, here's Johnny Height with a sports update. Thanks, Patrick. This update sponsored by Jersey Mike Subs. Want to win a rockin' trip from Jersey Mike's and Pepsi? Stop into Jersey Mike's today to enter. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends August 14th. See official rules at PepsiRockThisWay.com. Twins uh, raise again tonight from Target Field. Jake Odorizzi goes for the Twins. Nathan Eovaldi for the Rays. Your Twins lineup, Maurer, Rosario, Dozier, Escobar, Polanco, Kepler, Grossman, Jake Cave, and then Mitch Garver catches. Uh, the Twins announced today they have, in their words, indefinitely suspended sales of Papa John's Pizza from Target Field. Uh, this coming from Dustin Morse, the Senior Director of Communications for the Twins. He says there will be other pizza options still available at Target Field. Pizza Luce, Mini and Paul's, and inside the Delta Sky 360 Club. Uh, if you missed it earlier this week, Papa John's founder, John Schnatter, who already resigned as CEO over a series of PR blunders, announced he was stepping down as chairman of the board after allegedly using a racial slur during a conference call. Minnesota United in action tomorrow night. As usual, you will hear it right here. They're playing Real Salt Lake at TCF Bank Stadium. Pre-match, 6.30, kickoff 7 o'clock tomorrow night right here at 1500 ESPN. Links in action tonight at home to play the Las Vegas Aces at the Target Center. Stanley Cup is headed to War Road. T.J. Oshie says he'll bring the Stanley Cup to the town where he played high school hockey on July 24th. That's his personal designated day with the trophy. Members of the Stanley Cup winning team each get one day with the trophy to do well, pretty much whatever they want with it. No, he's got to drive over to Rosso, right? And drive it, put it on the roof and drive it through town, doesn't he? Main Street, honking the <laughs> that, horn. Yeah, you know. Honking the horn, hope Buff's home. Yeah. Hope he can show it to Bufflin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she won the Stanley Cup, of course, That's with a capital. Good idea. I never thought about that. It is, yeah. <laughs> Uh, there haven't been a lot of details released uh, where they will be showing it publicly yet in War Road. Jess Myers, of course, is a uh, War Road guy. He'll probably mm-hmm. get a kick out of that. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that kid played good. I mean, that yeah, guy played good, man, uh, down the stretch. He played with more physical uh, nuts than I thought he had. I didn't know he was, you know, he was hitting people. He was. He played when I, well. When I, my first radio job was actually up up in Roseau, and I actually used to interview TJ's dad, Tim, uh, quite a quite a lot and mm-hmm. uh, so it was pretty cool that that moment of him and his dad after they won the mm-hmm. cup was pretty pretty dad's cool. got the alzheimer's now right? yeah and yeah. yeah. tim that, tim's a really good guy too. heartbreaking story yeah. Yeah. yeah uh today's second wimbledon men's semifinal between uh rafael nadal and uh, novak djokovic suspended after three sets due to the tournament's 11 p.m curfew uh, they'll resume Saturday at 1 p.m. local time. That's about 7 o'clock our time. Ahead of the women's final between Serena Williams and Angelique Kerber. Play was halted after 2 hours, 54 minutes with Djokovic leading two sets to one. Uh, the reason we hit curfew before that, it took 99 games and three tiebreakers over five sets. Well over six hours. But South African Kevin Anderson reached the final at Wimbledon. He defeated John Isner in that six-hour, 36-minute 
marathon. John, I thought they'd, uh, Johnny, uh, Manny and I decided they'd still be playing. Neither moved. <laughs> the other guy hit a shot and nobody would move. Uh-huh. Josh Isner was gassed. He was just hunched over and, man. <laughs> DeMarco Murray, three-time All-Pro running back, uh, or Pro Bowl, excuse me, running back, is retired after seven seasons in the NFL. He said uh, today on ESPN's NFL Live, it's been a long time thinking, the last year or two, and physically, mentally, and emotionally, I think it's time for me to hang it up. I hope he's got some money in the bank. Yeah. Boy, the Cowboys they were, ran him they into the ground. They ran him into the ground, man. And they killed him. He, he made about four good years. Yep. Murray's 30 years old, was cut by the Titans March 8th after serving as the lead back for two seasons there, including 2016 when he was the AFC's leading rusher with 1,287 yards. He did have a career low last season, 659 rushing yards. Uh, he failed to reach 1,000 yards from scrimmage for the first time since 2012. He did have two years remaining on a deal that Titans GM John Robinson renegotiated after acquiring him via trade from the Eagles in March of 2016. He said, it's bittersweet, but I think, for me, it's right timing for myself and my family moving forward. You always uh, you always hope they put some money in the bank, don't you? Yes. Yeah. That's because, yeah. uh, you know, it's... It's hard when you're making eight, ten million a year. It's hard not to get into that lifestyle. But in football, they're wanting to buy those cars in football, and those houses. Ten and... years from now, you're going to be making fifty. You're going to be getting your pension. That's it. So, mm-hmm. all right, Johnny, thank you. You bet. You're along for the ride with Roycey. I'll damn near kill you, but it's good exercise. <laughs> On fifteen hundred ESPN. <laughs> from MLB.com. We're playing a little Bakersfield country today with uh, Buck Owens. Uh, you're a Southern California boy. How far is Bakersfield from L.A.? Uh, it might as well be a couple of years. I mean, a couple of hundred miles away at that point. So far away from L.A. in terms of the, you know, kind of the whole like uh, feeling to it and all that. But I think it's just, a, I think it's just kind of couple hours north of there. Kind of out, in the, out in the middle of nowhere, right? Well, Pretty much, exactly, yeah. You didn't hang out there in your uh, wanton youth. No, I don't, I've driven through it, but never, ever spent much time in Bakersfield. <laughs> I've driven through Baker as well. Baker's got the big thermometer, so I know both those places, but don't spend much time in either one of them. No uh, no Buxton news yet, huh? Well, uh, he had the x-rays. So okay. x-rays on his uh, hand slash wrist came back negative, which was good, uh, but nothing new yet on the MRI. Um, the twin thing is probably going to be more likely to be like a tendon thing or maybe a wrist sprain more than anything. Uh, I think the ultimate worry is there's a handmade bone injury. Yeah. Uh, but the good news was that the x-ray didn't show that because um, handmade bones usually take like, gosh, like two months for the recovery. So if you had a handmade injury, it might even be the end of the season. So um, I think they're optimistic that it's just kind of a, a sprain, but we'll probably find out more maybe later tonight or maybe tomorrow. And uh, he had that hammock scare last year at the end of August and uh, came back from that in a couple of days. But, uh, boy, oh, boy, talk about a star-crossed season for that guy. Oof. Yeah, it's crazy to think about what he's gone through. You know, the toe uh, injury has cost him a lot of time. Then the DL twice with it. Uh, kind of a fluke thing as well. You know, obviously it happened when he was at AAA on his first rehab assignment and found the ball off his foot. It's been bothering him pretty much the entire season. Finally, that's a little bit better but he's not hitting it all at AAA, then sure enough, fluke thing yesterday, apparently it was just one swing. It was yep. just uh, middle of an at-bat, third uh, pitch that he swung at, and next thing you know, he's coming out of the game. So 
But it's something that he's dealt with his whole career. You know, he had yes. that crazy collision and then the minor leagues. I mean, it's just crazy how this guy, all the bad breaks that he's caught, uh, you know, throughout his young career. Yeah, to the point uh, that uh, his chance to uh, turn, in, turn into a standout big leaguer is pretty well being affected by uh, not being able to, you know, we can't even find out. He just spent three days working with Chad Allen during the All-Star break out there uh, to try to fix it. He's working at trying to fix it, but now, heck, what? This is probably, if they're lucky, he'll be back in two weeks. Huh? Exactly. And even AAA wasn't hitting at all, too. That's the one thing, you know, in the past, at least when everyone's in the minor leagues, he at least hit there. I'm um, kind of figured it out. But you look at the numbers down in the minor leagues, they weren't very good either. We know this year what he did, you know, before the injury and trying to play through it as well. He doesn't hit a home run yet in the majors this season. So you kind of hope that last year's second half was a kind of a breakout for him. We know what he can do defensively. But, yeah, you're right. With, uh, you know, less time now to kind of develop with his injury and the injuries he's had all year, it's hard to know if he's ever really going to ever hit fully at this point. But uh, we know he's a great defender, so I think no matter what he does offensively, He'll find a role because he's such a good center fielder. But, yeah, I mean, at this point, that the offense is supposed to come this year, and it's been a lost season. Um, and it's going to be hard to find time for them to really kind of be able to salvage it as well. Well, uh, Jake Cave uh, will get a shot here in, in all likelihood, at least against right-handed pitching. He does, uh, boy, I you know, you watch a game from the press box and you uh, you get an idea of his swing, but I didn't realize how uppercutty it was until I was watching TV the other day. And, and Molitor uh, always expresses a little concern about that when he talks about him. Yeah, exactly. You're totally right. He does, you know, that's kind of the thing with his uppercut, swing, uh, upper, uppercut swings is that Obviously, you can have some power and all that, but at the same time, you know, the right kind of pitches, you definitely strike out a lot, especially nowadays. A lot of guys throwing those high fastballs by you with that kind of swing. But, uh, you know, when he runs into one, he surely, you can definitely hit one. I think he's a better overall player than, uh, you know, obviously they had Daniel Polka. He's kind of a similar type guy, similar swing. I think that he's just a better overall yeah. athlete than him. And he, he's, he, can play center, he can play center field. He's okay out yeah, there. Yeah, he's made some nice plays out there, too. He, he can run. He's an aggressive player. You can tell he's kind of one of those grinder-type players. But, uh, yeah, you're right, that swing... Molitor does get a little anxious because, you know, Molitor's not a guy who loves strikeouts, and obviously that's the way the game's going, but, uh, yeah, but Cave, though, when he does make contact, does hit the ball very hard. He, uh, I was looking up stuff on him the other day to write stuff about him. Shocked to discover his 10- to 12-year-old team out there in Newport News or wherever it was has three big leaguers on it. Him, Pinder from Oakland, and uh, the Crockett, the pitcher who was in Cleveland, is now in Cincinnati. You'd hate wow. to run into that 12-year-old team, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. They were back in the day, the Virginia, wasn't it? Like Chesapeake had all those guys. Yeah, right. Zimmerman and Kadire. The, the two Upton Uptons, brothers, right. And, uh, yeah. Mark, uh, who was the big uh, Mark uh, the Slugger. Uh, yeah, Reynolds. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's crazy. It's to get those weird kind of tools of talent where – some small plays puts all these guys together. It's pretty amazing to think of it that way. Rhett Bollinger's with us. Rhett, uh, we were just talking here. This lineup, you know, Jorge Polanco is not ripping the ball, and he's, you know, he's 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 just he's just hanging in there doing okay. But it looks a lot better with him in it than without him in it. What considered no Sano, no Buxton, having one more having one more guy in there that you say, you know, this guy could hit a double right now when we need one is uh, is is very helpful. Exactly. And even last night, he did exactly that. You know, he comes up with, uh, you know, two outs and a guy in second. It's a double down the left field line. Um, so you're right, the power hasn't really showed up yet. The defense has been, you know, pretty solid. He's missed a couple plays, including that weird one with a flip that he dropped from uh, yeah. Dozier the other day. But um, he worked obviously very hard in his defense the entire you know time he was out with the, sur- sorry, the uh, suspension. Um, I'm kind of curious to see if that will translate. But, yeah, I mean, last year 
we saw what he did in August. So if he can kind of catch fire, that'd be huge for this team. Because he does take pretty good at bats, but um, you had to figure he wasn't probably you know play play too well early on, just because he's out for so long. Hey, uh, Rhett, uh, shortstop. His only real problem is cutting the ball loose, and the easier the play, the more likely he is to lob it instead of fire it. When he has to make the throw, knowing he got to get the guy out, he's okay. But uh, I don't know where that soft throw habit comes from. Yeah, and the same thing with Dozier, though, too, which is funny. I know a lot of pitchers always say whenever it's a double play ball, they get really worried because, same thing, Dozier will just flip it over to first instead of trying to throw it hard. And same with Polanco. They make those plays look way too difficult. I know it kind of stresses the pitchers out a little bit because they just want to get that easy out and not have to stress about if they're going to make the throw. But, yeah, it's kind of funny. You're right. Both those guys, especially Dozier this year, they don't really gun it when it's a close play. They kind of just lob it over there. and It seems to work, but it just seems like every play is – a little closer than it needs to be. Hey, Rat, they turned the double play better last year than they have this year, uh, just, just routinely, didn't you think? I mean, they're, they've missed so a lot of there. double plays this year. Yeah, that's why I've, I've even wondered, like, you know, with Dozier, was there something that's, that's kind of it's been weird watching where we haven't really been able to throw the ball with much authority all season. Last year, there are much better double plays. But I've, I've wondered if it was an injury thing. He said he's healthy, and I'll let him ask him about it. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see you're right. Last year, they were really smooth at double plays. This year just hasn't really been the case. What do you think? Uh, big trade deadline here, or a lot of smoke and not that much fire? It's going to be interesting. I mean, obviously they're playing better right now, but they also beat up on the Orioles and Royals. They're still what seven and a half back of the Indians. Yeah, but the Indians um, and Kluber might, you know, he just took yeah. an injection. So yeah, his knee. And in, in general, Kluber the last five starts hasn't been as good. He's been having trouble throwing his curveball because of his knee. So you never know. So. Uh, I think if they can kind of go on a little bit of a roll, they might not really sell too much. But I think if they fall off, uh, they have to sell anything they can, whether it's, you know, Dozier or, or Rodney. Or, I think you know, the guy that would get the most interesting one to me. I, I think Gibby would get him something. I think so, too. This market is terrible, by the way, for starting yeah. pitching. I mean, I think the guy tonight for the Rays might be one of the best guys in the market, Eovaldi. And yeah. uh, Hap got beat up last night. There's really nobody on the pitching market that's really out there that's very attractive. So I do think that. If they were to dangle, you know, Gibson out there, they could get some pretty good offers. Um, it's just a matter of if they think that Gibson's going to be part of the rotation next year, um, you know, because obviously well, going to contract next season. But, I think yeah, they, I mean, they could lock him up. But my theory is, if you don't feel like you want to give him a three-year contract this winter, then then this is probably going to be his maximum value. If he, but you know, because yeah, sure. you, I mean, to bring him back next year and then have to trade him at the at the uh, trading deadline next year, you might not have as much on the table as you're going to have this year. Yeah, especially, especially if we're only going to get three months of control as a team. If you're going to transfer him now, at least teams know, hey, we can have him for the rest of this year and next yeah. year. Um, and he really has the last you know calendar year. He's put up an ERA right around 3-5 with a strikeout per inning. Uh, it kind of goes back to late, you know, last August. It's been kind of a, a long run year for him. So, yeah, you're right. I think that he can fetch the most of any of the guys they have. It's just a matter of if they want to make that kind of deal. Slider was look. great last night, but I really think the changeup has helped him a whole bunch. Oh, big time. And I think that slider curveball, you know, combination. And I think just locating his fastball. That was the thing, too, is he was always, he always had the stuff. He just always seemed to nibble so much around the zone and fall behind. And I think now he's just attacking guys more, too. But that slider really is pretty nasty. And guys, you know, last night I think he got 16 swings and misses. And I think like eight of them with the slider and wow. five with the curveball. So he, uh, he probably had a month where he didn't get 16 swing and misses a couple of years oh, yeah, ago. Oh, yeah, he like a season without that pretty much. <laughs> well, of all people, I remember Neil Allen preaching to him about the changeup, and, uh, of course, Neil is no longer uh, with with the club. But uh, I don't know. They're in an interest. They're going to see Cleveland uh, has lost, what, like five out of six? So uh, they're, they're making these guys pre- 
act like they're interested here if they can uh, put together a good month. Exactly. I mean, we know last year, though, the Twins front office, you know, sold even though they were kind of still in it. They turned <laughs> off the on the run and then and ended up being in it and, and making the wild card game. So, you know, I have a funny feeling the front office will take a you know, long look at that and, and understand and look at some of the data and the percentages and all that kind of stuff, too, of, of getting back into that race. Um, so I think for now they're going to kind of assess where they're at in the standings and kind of let it play out a little bit. But I do think the next couple of weeks will be really, really interesting to see where they're at in the standings. They can pull within even five games. But if they're back, you know, over 10 games, yeah. at that point they'll, uh, they'll sell. But uh, a lot of guys are in the last year of their contract. You know, even Lance Lynn's a guy, you know, Rodney, uh, Escobar. I don't know if they really would trade him or not, but you never know. I mean, there's, there's a lot of names they could possibly put out there if I needed to. All right. Hey, uh, Rhett, thanks for your time. See you at the ball yard, sir. Now, good. Thanks for having me on. All right. Uh, Red Bollinger, MLB.com. Uh, okay. So they've uh, x rayed Buxton's wrist hand area. Uh, negative so far, but there's enough suspicion they're going to give him an MRI to see. Uh, man, this kid, Gosh. I don't know. You got to get him in a cast iron suit or something. I, I'm, oh, man. Yeah. Boy, you know, when know. you hurt yourself swinging, that's, that's what scares you, man. That's, that's not good. All right. We'll be back. Uh, Buck Owens, thank you very much. That's one of my feel-good uh, Friday feel-good thoughts of the week, having uh, Buck Owens on. The other one was just going over and talking to some young athletes at the University of Minnesota who are looking forward to a great volleyball season. Absolutely. My feel-good thought I is I have a... volleyball greatly. What is your feel-good thought for the week? I have a family reunion this weekend, oh. sir. All right. What are we going to do about Croatian Hall? Oh, well, I'll be there for that, okay. for sure. Yeah, we, I'll, we I'll take a step outside of that. And go over there. When's the family reunion? Uh, it's it's pretty much... we got stuff going on the whole weekend. Well, you got to so. get yourself a jug of plum brandy and take it over and watch them all do that. fall down and crawl around in the grass. It'll be great. All righty. Uh, we'll uh, be back uh, next week. And thank you, Buck Owens. You were great. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes, I'm Colaguard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you, or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in.